So the parable goes, as we know, not to restate the whole thing, but uh, three servants are left with basically financial resources from the master, right? One was given five talents, one was given two, one was given one talent. Now, the understanding of the parable really turns on or hinges upon our understanding of what a talent is. Because you might think, well, what does that mean? Well, think of a talent as a large bar of gold. Have that image in your mind. Because one talent was equal to 6,000 denarii, the unit of, and one day's, one day's worth of wages was one denarius. Remember your Latin, us e, right? Denarii e, like cactus, cacti. Um, so the singular and plural. So one denarius was one day's worth of labor, okay? 6,000 denarii is like 16 years of wages. So, you know, we, we hear this parable and we think, oh, the guy only got one talent. He got 16 years worth of wages and he did nothing with it. So even the one who got less got a lot. Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, that's really kind of like winning, maybe not the full lottery, but it's, it's, a good, it's a good win. It's a good weekend at Vegas if you got 16 years wages. And what could you do with that? I mean, it's not that hard to be given this huge sum of money. And I mean, all you got to do is put it in a CD and you're going to get something. I mean, you're going to get something. You have to be wicked and lazy or fearful to bring nothing back from that, right? Now, the, the, the man with five and, and the one with two, immediately they took what the master had given them and they doubled it, all right? Because they were motivated, they were motivated. They knew that their master was coming back and they did whatever they had to do, however they did it, so that upon coming back, he could see that they not only were they a good steward and, and they protected what he had given them, but he's giving them a return. He's give, they are giving the man a return. But the last one didn't give a return. Okay, so what does the parable then represent for us? Well, God has given us incredible gifts. He has blessed us in so many ways. And it can be difficult to see that, I think, if we're focused on the wrong things. So if, if we only see God's blessings as material blessings, uh, particularly, obviously, particularly, you know, possessions and wealth, then we're always going to be somewhat dissatisfied he hasn't given enough. But of course, the greatest blessings that God has given us are not that. Consider being created itself, existence. Not having had existence would mean not having had the opportunity to know and love God, to know and love your family, or to, be, to be in your marriage, to have all of these blessings in your life. And then salvation itself, the greatest gift of all, every single person has, which is kind of what that, that one talent represents, is that even the guy who didn't get, a, didn't get that much got a huge amount. He got a huge amount. And 
when we look at our lives through merely dissatisfaction or what we lack, we engage the world in a completely different manner than if we look at our lives through gratitude and seeing the gifts that we've been given. I mean, it's a miracle that she married you. <laughs> it could only be divine intervention. That, that You know, well, you, <laughs> you think about your marriage, right? And, and obviously, in the good days, what a blessing you are to each other. And you rightfully will say that God was in this. God brought us together. There's some sort of divine intervention that has indeed occurred. Or you look at your children. You know, children, you may not want to think this way. I mean, if you're in your teenagers, you probably don't. If you're little, you do. If you're older, you do. But you are everything to your parents. They love you so deeply. That's why they mess it all up as parents. Because they're overdoing it, you know? They, they just they want to protect you, and they want to love you, and they want everything to go well, and it gets messy. Because, yeah, we're human. But without a doubt, when I talk to parents, they will, they will speak of you as their children, as their life, the most important thing in their life. So much gratitude that is, you know, spoken of when we really focus in on what's important. And of course, we get, we get sidetracked by, by so many other things that compete with that, and we lose our focus because we get, we get instead sidetracked on earth, merely earthly blessings. And, and there are blessings, but there are also quite a bit of, there is quite a bit of adversity and suffering as well. And so if we evaluate our lives based on what God has given us merely upon you know, human events, merely upon temporal events, as opposed to eternal realities, no doubt we can, we can be in a place of ingratitude. But the love that we share with one another, the love you have for your children, the love that God has for you and you have for him, eternity itself is a gift that is immeasurable and that we will always have. It will never go away. Now, you might say, well, Father, you're a priest, so, you know, you probably don't struggle with that. Well, how well do you know me yet? Of course I struggle with that. No, you've always been thankful for your priesthood. No, I haven't. No, I have not. There has been great suffering and great adversity throughout most of my priesthood. And there are plenty of times where, just like you, I'm thinking, Lord, how long? Is this really going to work? I don't know. Many times. So what do we do in the midst of that? What do we do in the midst of the struggle? What do we do in the midst of, you know, looking our, at our world, which is so broken? I mean, it doesn't even really matter what side you're on or, or what lens you view current events or even historical events. The failure of humanity is obvious, that we are failing in many ways, not always, in many ways, as human beings. And you can, you know, plug that narrative into whatever you want to. It's going to work. And we can see the world as it is, and, and we can then, out of fear, not want to share what we've received. We want to hoard it, right? So this guy who, 
who just buried, buried the money. He was afraid. He didn't want to lose it. He had 16 years. I mean, you could have taken one year of salary and did something, traded or something. My, good, my goodness, what a, what a great opportunity. No, he was so afraid he buried it. And no doubt, as we, as we look at the world, as we look at our own lives with, with suffering or adversity, you know, it's easy to go into the hole. It's easy to get negative. It's easy to become cynical, fearful, and angry. But we don't have to be that way. We're choosing to be that way. And some of it is that we focus on the negativity, and the other thing is that you know, the negativity is sold to us because one of the greatest ways to control people is to make them afraid. If you're afraid, other people will receive power from you. You'll give it to them because they're going to fix it. You might wonder, well, how many times have we been through that? Eh, the whole time. No one's going to really fix it. No one's going to fix what matters because it's already been fixed. It's already been fixed. All of the things that we worry about, all of the things that we fear in this life are temporary, absolutely temporary. But what matters is eternal. And the more that we can focus on that, the better we are. You know, I, as I said, you know, I've struggled with this and in, my, in my own life. And, uh, and yet here I am now, you know, having stuck with it for 24 years. And I can honestly say, that you are the greatest gift of my priesthood. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And no, I have not said that to every congregation. (laughs) But I didn't expect it. I didn't. I didn't know what would happen when I came. I didn't know how it would all work out. I had a lot of ideas, you know, and... um, some people have asked, well, Father, you know, are you ever going to take a vacation? And, you know, I've never missed a Sunday Mass in four and a half years. But, um, you know, I take some vacation time during the week and the rest. But why would I want to miss being with you? Does he love us that much? Yes, he does. I really do. All of you? Well. It's, it's so joyful. When I, you know, I had COVID, what was it, a month ago or six, six weeks ago? And the first thing I thought when I tested positive is, oh, no, am I going to miss Sunday Mass? Not because of fear of missing Sunday Mass, but of not being with you. I'm so grateful for you. I really am. And what we're doing here together is going to last generations. It's going to last generations. I don't want to miss a day because, as the saying goes, you have to make hay while the sun is shining. When things are going well, it's not the time to take a break. I figure I've got 15 years left, so I'm going to work hard for 15 years and then promptly die on my 67th birthday. That's the plan. But... (laughs) But as we as a community, if we can stay focused on gratitude, if we can stay focused on gratitude, you know, the first two guys who received all of this wealth were grateful, so they gave back. They wanted to produce. The problem with that last guy is he wasn't grateful. He was fearful. Let's not be fearful. 
Let's be grateful. Be grateful for what we have and what we've been given. Even in the darkest times, God is going to show up. In your life, he's going to show up. The blessings are going to multiply and multiply because that's what he does. And it's very often through the adversity and suffering itself that he brings about an even greater good. And so as we journey together, what the Lord is asking for us is this. It's not enough to merely have faith. We need to, from that faith, give back and be generous because we have received, so too we give. Please stand.